It is 11-12 on January 19th. I'm Devin, and this is the DS Sports Podcast. We're on Spotify and pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, give it a like, give it a follow, give it a share, and we can get this thing rolling. Uh, this could be a mostly football-focused podcast today. A uh, lot to talk about from the NFL playoffs and the recent coaching hires. And at the end... Uh, I'm going to do my first NFL mock draft of the year. So we'll get right into it. Before all the football stuff, I want to talk about James Harden, who's been a topic of this podcast uh, the past couple weeks. In his, net, in his Nets debut, Harden had a triple-double. 32 points, 12 rebounds, 14 assists. What surprised me was that he was playing off-ball more than I expected. And this is with just KD playing. Kyrie's not even playing. We know one of this trio's gonna have to play off ball if they're gonna win it, if they're gonna win a championship and kinda take a step back. And maybe Harden's the one to do that. Maybe he's gonna let himself be the third wheel in the this trio. Uh, he is a an elite spot up shooter when all three of them are on the court. I do think coach, head coach Steve Nash can make this work. He's been a leader on NBA teams before. He's now in a coaching role. Um, but he has the ability to get these guys working together. If all three all, if all three of them can play consistently, if Kyrie comes back and gets past this weird stuff he's doing, um, I think the Nets have a real chance at the title. Okay, that was some quick NBA stuff. Let's get into the NFL. The NFL. Um, divisional round weekend was this weekend, and it was pretty fun. Uh, first game of the weekend, Saturday, Rams played the Packers. Packers won 32-18. What's interesting about this game is that the Packers finally supported Rodgers in the playoffs. They played great defense. They played great offense. All of his, his teammates actually came up to help him. Um, Rodgers had a good game, but he, it really he really wasn't the story of why they won. They ran the ball really great, uh, 36 times for 188 yards and two touchdowns, and the Rams couldn't stop the run. I, I mean, I said this before the, the before the wild card round. The Rams defense is good, but I don't trust their linebackers at all. Um, Aaron Donald seemed frustrated the whole game. He kind of got shut down, and Packers have one of the best interior offensive lines in the league, so it makes sense. Um, the team didn't, the Rams didn't have any sacks. Cooper Cup didn't play, which hurt the Rams on offense for sure. Um, Devontae Adams had nine catches for 66 yards and a touchdown. He only lined up against Ramsey three times throughout the game. Um, one of them was on a touchdown, which... I love the play designed by Matt LaFleur. He brings Adams over on a motion. Ramsey follows him, man coverage. Brings him right back across the field. He goes on this little flat route. Ramsey's playing catch-up. Easy throw, easy catch for Rodgers and Adams. Another player who really impressed me for the Packers was Alan Lazard, their slot receiver. He destroyed Troy Hill, who's one of the best slot corners in the league. Um, had 96 yards and a touchdown. Really good game. If 
I, I mean, obviously, I picked the Packers to win the Super Bowl. But if the supporting cast is going to play like this consistently, I, I'm just so much more confident in that pick. Second game of the weekend, Ravens-Bills. Bills won 17-3. It was a defensive game, which surprised me. Wasn't super fun to watch. Um, Lamar really showed his weaknesses throughout. And when I get to talking about uh, the Ravens later on in the year, we'll go a little bit deeper into Lamar's issues and why maybe the Ravens shouldn't extend him. Throughout this playoffs, though, I have been super impressed by Marquise Brown. He had four catches and 87 yards against the Bills. He was lined up against Tredavious White a lot. Um, he got he beat White deep at the end of the game for what could have been a huge touchdown, but uh, the Ravens' backup quarterback, Tyler Huntley, just missed him. The quarterbacks really didn't play into a running game, which is not what I expected. In total, um, Allen and Lamar added, uh, combined for 16 carries for 37 yards, which is only 2.3 yards per attempt. The Bills did a good job of bottling up uh, Lamar. Playing. They played really disciplined, and I say this all the time. I've said it since his rookie year. The way to beat that read option is very simple. You play disciplined. You have your defensive line fill the, fill the middle of the field. I mean, fill inside, pinch, and let the linebackers play basically a contain on the outside. But you have to play super disciplined. If, they, if people don't do their jobs, it's all for a big play. And I, I was really impressed by Bill's linebackers. Um, Stephon Diggs has another great game. Eight catches, 106 yards, and a touchdown. The Ravens' offense just can't get anything going all night. Only had three points. Neither team was throwing the ball deep um, well at all. And it, what was weird for me was the Bills, their uh, game plan going into the game, it just seemed like they said, we're not going to run the ball. We're not going to run the ball against a pretty nice Ravens front seven. Um and it worked. I mean, the offense didn't play great, but did what it needed to do. Uh, the Bills' defense stepped up for once, which was surprising. Teron Johnson made the play of the game, uh, catches an interception in the red zone, takes it back for a pick six. Jerry Hughes and edge rusher Jerry Hughes and Tredavious White also played really well. Bills, con they continuously got pressure on Lamar, which is great to see from a defense that's been really suspect at times this year. I focused a lot on that. Um, just like with the Packers and their supporting cast, maybe the Bills didn't play their best game on Saturday, but if their defense is going to step up like that, that's a great sign for the AFC Championship and possibly the Super Bowl. The next game, Sunday evening, was Browns-Chiefs. Chiefs won 22-18. And what was a crazy finish. I thought the Browns might actually pull it out. Um, I hope Mahomes is okay after suffering a concussion at, um, at the end of the game. Baker Mayfield and 
Rashard Higgins were very impressive to me. They made their mistakes, but they played they played at a very high level for most of the game. Um, the Chiefs' flaws continue to show. Only scored 22 points. Tyree Kill had, had eight catches for 110 yards. Kelsey had eight catches for 109 yards and a touchdown. They played really great, but somehow they only scored 22 points. Tyron Matthew has a huge interception where he drops um, a guy deep for who's out of his zone and comes back to, to pick off Mayfield and he doesn't even see him. Um, it wasn't the offensive game that I expected. Browns can't get a pass rush on Mahomes at all, but it really didn't matter. They only put up 22 points. Um, I'd say Mahomes slightly outplayed Baker, the, but the story of the game is that the Browns made too many mistakes. Baker takes a big sack at the, end of, at the beginning of the game. Um, the next drive, Wyatt Teller holds, which kills all, has a holding penalty, which kills all their momentum on the drive. And then later, Rashard Higgins fumbles at the one yard line into end zone, and the Chiefs get um, a touchback. Against the Chiefs, against a team like the Chiefs, you have to convert every opportunity, and the Browns just weren't able to do it. Um, Chad Henney had one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen in a playoff game, but he had a huge run on third and 14 um, at the end of the game when they were about to have to give the ball back to the Browns um, to really win the game for the Chiefs. And I give him I'm, all the credit in the world for him, to him. Uh, last game of the weekend, Buccaneers-Saints. Buccaneers won 30-20. I predicted the Saints to win 30-23. Sad way for Breeze to go out if he is indeed retiring. Um, He only went 19-34 for 134 yards. One touchdown, three interceptions. It was, I mean, it just looked bad. The Saints were able to run the ball as I expected. They had 104 yards on the ground. But Breeze just... Made too many mistakes. Um, the Saints' defense didn't make enough plays. They couldn't get any pressure on Brady. And the Saints' receivers just weren't beating the man coverage that the Buccaneers were playing on them. Um, Bucks scored. They scored off of three of the Saints' four turnovers in the game. And Brady just took what the defense gave him. Played. Uh, he threw plenty to Leonard Fournette and Cameron Bray. Just Killing the Saints over the middle. So, matchups for the conference championships are Buccaneers, Packers, and Chiefs, Bills. I will uh, preview those games on Friday, but that's it for that. <coughs> okay. To this, to these, this Drew Brees retirement news. Jay Glazer breaks the story right before the Saints game. Shocked me. I mean, I, he's old, but I I just wasn't expecting that to be how I heard about his retirement. Um, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Great man, great leader. All the respect in the world to Drew Brees. He never had a great arm, but probably a top five brain at the quarterback position, quarterback position ever. 
He's top five in every like every passing stat. And for me, as someone who's been watching football since around 2010, he's just always been that top guy to me, one of those top guys, and really Im- influential to uh, my football fan history, I guess. Um, he's probably the most accurate quarterback of all time, but unfortunately, he really regressed this year. Was, he was one of the weaknesses of what was a really good roster in New Orleans. It reminded me of Pam Manning's last year, uh, where he just struggled throughout the season. Brock Osweiler had to come in and play when he got hurt, but he, he just wasn't the same Peyton Manning. They ended up winning the Super Bowl because of a great defense, but it it's that same thing where it's just like, yeah, they're done. You can see it. Um, for next year, it looks like Sean Payton's going to go with Taysom Hill, which I don't really like that decision. I think a guy like Mac Jones, uh, the quarterback out of Alabama, is good enough to make this roster a playoff team, but I think it's unlikely they go that route. I think, honestly, they're likely going to struggle next year because of Taysom Hill's lack of passing ability. But... Maybe that means they get a top quarterback in next year's draft like Spencer Rattler or Sam Howell or Keaton Slovis. But all respect to Breeze. Sad to see him go out, but it was probably time. Okay, now on to these recent NFL coaching hires. Um... Five out of the seven teams have filled their coaching positions. Um, I'm going to go through, rank them, and uh, grade each hire. Number one, I have the Atlanta Falcons hiring Arthur Smith. I give them an A for the hire. He, sh- I, I believe Arthur Smith can take the Falcons back to the playoffs. He runs a very similar scheme uh, to Kyle Shanahan, which... They were in the Super Bowl. Matt Ryan was an MVP. And they probably have better weapons now with Calvin Ridley instead of a uh, Muhammad Sanu. I think S- Smith has the ability to maximize this offense. And if he can do what he did uh, with Ryan Tannehill, he can definitely make Matt Ryan a maybe a top five quarterback again. Um, they need to build up the defense. I would like them to bring back Raheem Morris as the defensive coordinator, but I think that's neat. The defense needs to be a focus of the offseason, and they definitely have a chance in a division where Carolina will probably still be bad. Who knows what Tampa Bay is going to be? Chris Goblin's a free agent. Um, Antonio Brown's a free agent, I believe. Tom Brady could regress. Who knows? Saints should definitely be worse without Drew Brees. So, who knows? Falcons can win the division next year, especially with an easy schedule. At number two, I have the Jaguars, who hired Urban Meyer. I give that hire an A-. minus. I really like it. I talked about it a little bit. Um, he just he knows how to build a program. He did at Florida. He did at Ohio State. And he's going to set up what's going to be a young team for success. He may not be a great schematic guy or whatever, but 
Urban Meyer has a proven track record, and I think he can do it at least put them on the path for success in the NFL. At number three, I have Robert the Jets hiring uh, Robert Solom. I give it a B grade. Don't love defensive hires. He is my guy from the Niners. He's been our defensive coordinator for the past four years now. Uh, I will say this. all If you're a Niners fan, you should know this. Uh, he's a rah-rah guy. He's not really a scheme guy. I've never been impressed with the coverages he calls and the plays he calls. But he gets the most out of his players. He's a great motivator. And I think that's what the Jets wanted to bring with a robot like Adam Gase being their uh, coach before now. Um, he hired. I give this a higher grade because he hired a nice offensive coordinator and Mike LaFleur, who was the 49ers passing game coordinator um, for the past couple of years. Matt LaFleur's brother, another Kyle Shanahan disciple, brings that scheme over. Should be able to run a pretty good offense, especially with a Zach Wilson or a Justin Fields. Um, at number four, I have the Lions hiring Dan Campbell. I give it a C plus. Don't know a whole lot about Dan Campbell. He was the assistant tight ends. Uh, he was the assistant head coach and the tight ends coach in New Orleans. The Lions probably couldn't get anyone better. Maybe Campbell can build up a good culture. I don't see him doing anything special, but it's not a horrible hire. At number five, I have the Chargers hiring Brandon Staley. What are you doing? I give it a C minus. Um, I don't hate it, but you have Brian Dable, Joe Brady, Eric Bieniemy, all available. You gotta take that guy. You gotta hire an offensive guy who's good. Built who's you got all these weapons. You have Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler, and then you have a nice young quarterback in Justin Herbert. I don't know why you're going defensive side of the ball. Yes, the Rams had the best defense in the league with first year defense coordinator Brandon Staley, but you have talent on defense. You should be fine. But you're not maximizing this offense with Justin Herbert. Maybe he hires a good staff, but I never love a defensive hire, especially when the this level of offensive guys are out are out there. Okay. Now on to our rebuild of the day. <laughs> We're gonna fix the Cincinnati Bengals. They went 4-11-1 this year. And honestly, this is all about Joe Burrow. Cincinnati actually has a lot of good building blocks. They have Joe Burrow. They have Joe Mixon, the running back. Samaje P. Ryan, who's another running back, who played really well this year with Mixon out, really underrated. Averaged 4.8 yards per carry this season. Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, two really nice receivers. Um... You have Jonah Williams at left tackle. You have Carl Lawson, if you can bring him back. Really nice edge rush piece, young. Uh, you have William Jackson, nice young corner. Again, if you can bring him back. Darius Phillips, who's one of the more underrated corners in the NFL. You have a nice one. 
you you have the start of a really good secondary. You also have Jesse Bates, the best safety in the NFL, and uh, Von Bell, who had a really good year after coming over from the Saints. In free agency, you have $35 million. So you have plenty to work with. Um, and we're going to work to get that number even higher up. Some cuts you can make. Uh, defensive tackle Tupo, I think that's how you pronounce it. Cut him, save $2 million. B.J. Finney, the centers, cut him $4 million. Uh, Xavier Suofilo, $3 million. Giovanni Bernard, $4 million. Trey Hopkins, $4 million. C.J. Uzoma, $5 million. Bobby Hart, $6 million. And then if you can get William Jackson back, and I know this is a little bit controversial, um, I say you cut Trey Waynes and get another $6 million. I know some people, some Bengals fans were looking forward to seeing Trey Waynes. Uh, he was a big free agent signing for them last year. Uh, and he has that pedigree from being with the Vikings. He's just never played that well. He's he's not horrible, but he's he's just an okay corner. But I believe he's 28 or 29, and he has never played at the level uh, William Jackson and Darius, Darius Phillips played this season. I just... You can save $6 million by cutting him. I don't know why you wouldn't. I know he never, you never got to see him because he was out with injury, but I think it's unlikely he outplays either of those guys. That gives you $69 million to play with in cap space. And I think there's some simple moves to get this team where it needs to be. You, you need to re-sign William Jackson. That's going to cost you probably around $13, $14 million a year. Uh, you need to re-sign Carl Lawson, again, around $14 million a year. In free agency, I think two moves. Sign Gerald Everett, get a nice tight end, five, about $5 million a year, about what you were paying Uzoma. Um, and then there's a lot of good receivers uh, in this free agency class. There's Chris Godwin, there's Kenny Galladay, there's Juju Smith-Schuster. <laughs> um, but I think you go, you go for a receiver. Um at around $20 million a year. At number five in the draft, I have no idea if the Bengals are going to be able to get a receiver. But depending on what happens in the free, in free agency and the picks before them, at number five, I think the first option has to be Penny Sewell, the offensive tackle out of Oregon. I think if he's there, that's a no-brainer for the Bengals. Second choice, especially if you didn't get a receiver in free agency, is Jamar Chase, the receiver out of LSU. Reunite him with Joe Burrow. Get it going. At number 37, I think you draft an um, offensive tackle, especially if you didn't get Penny Sewell, um, like Christian Darisol, the offensive tackle out of Virginia Tech, or an edge rusher to um, complement Carl Lawson off the opposite edge. Someone like Jason Owe out of Penn State. At number 69, I think you go for an interior rusher, kind of to learn under Geno Atkins and also to play with him on passing downs because 
DJ Reader, high paid nose tackle, doesn't really play on passing downs. I think Aleem McNeil out of NC State would be a good target for the Bengals there. I, the Bengals, for sure, if Zach Taylor is a good coach at all, they should be playoff contenders next season. Steelers should regress. They should be in the mix for playoffs. It's that simple. <clears throat> now on to NFL mock draft. Again, this is what I this to explain. This is what I would do. This is not what I think the teams will do. I, I think it's very unlikely that a lot of these picks happen, especially this early in the process. But also, I don't have any insider knowledge. I don't know any NFL scouts. Um, this is what I would do if I was the GM of these teams. At number one, I have the Jacksonville Jaguars taking uh, Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence. It's a no-brainer. In my opinion, the best quarterback prospect of all time. Has exceptional pulls, poise, great tools, great decision-making, um, great processing. He's also a really good leader. It's no-brainer. Don't think there's any question here. Jacksonville's going to take Trevor Lawrence. And number two, I have the New York Jets taking quarterback Zach Wilson out of BYU. I know some Jets fans like Darnold, but I think you got to start fresh. Wilson has great arm, great accuracy, really good playmaker, and he's a really good athlete. He's proven he's a smart quarterback, clutch quarterback at BYU. think he's the right pick for the Jets. At number three, I have the Miami Dolphins taking offensive tackle Penny Sewell out of Oregon. I've thought about this a lot. There's a lot of people saying Miami should take a quarterback. I think you have to give Tua a chance. Um, you made a mistake last year by drafting Austin Jackson in the first round. Um, but you can make up for that by drafting arguably the best tackle prospect in a very long time. Sewell's a really good athlete, really physical, really long, technically sound home run pick for Miami. At number four, I have the Atlanta Falcons taking Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields. You get a quarterback prospect to develop behind Matt Ryan. He's a Georgia native. It's a perfect fit. Has elite accuracy and talent. Um, and talent with his legs, athleticism. Super, he's shown in a bunch of games this season. He's clutch quarterback. Fields kills man coverage. I know he's still learning how to read a defense. But if his guys are in man coverage, they beat their guy. He is not missing. At number five, I have the Cincinnati Bengals taking wide receiver Jamar Chase out of LSU. No, not Devontae Smith. Chase was more productive than Devontae Smith last season when they were both playing. Um, and he really did what Smith did this season, but he had Joe Burrow uh, throwing 60 touchdowns and winning... Uh, the Heisman. He's really great deep threat. Elite route running. Elite hands. Great ball skills. At number six, I have the Philadelphia Eagles taking quarterback Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. 
Lance is a mi- really a mix of the best parts of Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts. I think we've seen enough to say that neither Wentz or Hurts are the guy. So you gotta get a new guy. Um, I think you have to trade Carson Wentz before the draft, and go. I mean, you end up going with another North Dakota State guy and quarterback Trey Lance. Just saying, North Dakota State's next quarterback. Quincy Patterson, who transferred from Virginia Tech, may also be a first-round pick in a couple years. Hot take. Uh, Lance has great touch, great accuracy deep. Hasn't played a really complex offense in North Dakota State, but I like him. At number seven, I have the Detroit Lions taking wide receiver Jalen Waddell out of Alabama. Again, not Devontae Smith. Lions don't have a deep threat. Waddle's a freak athlete, and Marvin Jones and Amendola will be gone next season. Kenny Galladay might be gone as well. Waddle has really good hands. He has the ability to make spectacular catches. He's not just a small, fast guy. I think he's the right pick for Detroit. At number eight, I have the Carolina Panthers taking Kyle Pitts. I've seen Micah Parsons mocked to Carolina a lot, um, but I like this pick much better. Pitts is an elite tight end prospect, one of the best I've seen in the past 10 years. He's technically sound, has size, has athleticism, has great hands. He plays like a receiver, but he's a tight end. Really good pick for Carolina. Number nine, I have the Denver Broncos taking wide receiver Devontae Smith. There you go. Stack up this receiver room. Maybe trade for Carson Wentz in the offseason. Stack it up. Have Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, and Devontae Smith next year. And you have a wide receiver from Penn State, K.J. Hamler, as your deep threat. Um, Devontae Smith can play in the slot in that offense. Has great hands. Heisman winner. He can catch balls in traffic. I know he's only 175 pounds. But he's a great route runner and gets separation. And that's what you need at the receiver position more than just size. At number 10, I have the Dallas Cowboys taking linebacker Micah Parsons out of Penn State. None of the Dallas linebackers played well this year. Jalen Smith, Lane Vanderesh, ugh. They they were horrible. Um, I think you got to throw some more talent at the position. Parsons can defend the run super well. He's great in coverage. He's a great pass rusher. Find something to do with him. And I think maybe one of Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith will bounce back. And you have a really nice linebacker, linebacking core all of a sudden. <coughs> At number 11, I have the New York Giants taking edge rusher Quiddy Pay of Michigan. Pretty simple. Elite athlete. He can win with speed or power. There you go. Number 12, I have the San Francisco 49ers taking uh, tackle Rashawn Slater out of uh, Northwestern. He can play tackle if the Niners end up losing Trent Williams. He has the ability to play guard as well if he stays. Slater has great technique and athleticism. Really like him as a tackle prospect. At number 13, I have the L.A. Chargers taking edge rusher Gregory Rousseau out of Miami. Chargers are going to have to build up an O-line free agency. 
Can't just depend on the draft. Uh, Alejandro Villanueva and Corey Lindsley would be two really nice targets for them. They're going to be losing Melvin Ingram to free agency probably as uh, this year. Greg Rousseau gives you a speed rusher opposite Bosa right off the bat. At number 14, I have the Minnesota Vikings taking uh, defensive lineman Christian Barmore out of Alabama. You got to add to that D-line. It was one of the worst in the NFL this season. Barmore gives you a pass rusher beside Michael Pierce, who opted out this season. Next year, you go in with Daniel Hunter, Barmore, and Pierce. You're looking a lot better. At number 15, I have the New England Patriots taking offensive tackle Christian Dershaw out of Virginia Tech. You're probably losing Joe Thune. You draft Dershaw. He's a true offensive tackle. And you move Isaiah Wynn or Michael Owenu to guard to fill in for Joe Thune's position. At number 16, again, we're having these teams, they're having to replace players that are going to be free agents. Uh, I have the Arizona Cardinals taking edge rusher Jason Owe. Hassan Reddick, who had a somewhat of a breakout season this year, is a free agent. And Chandler Jones is getting pretty old. Jason Owe gives you a nice speed rusher to develop. At number 17, I have the Las Vegas Raiders taking cornerback Caleb Farley. He picked the corner in the first round last year, Damon Arnett. Arnett, he is not the guy. Uh, Caleb Farley's a big athletic corner out of Virginia Tech. Um, can play opposite Trayvon Mullen. Actually give you some good coverage. At number 18, I have the Miami Dolphins with their second pick, taking cornerback Patrick Sertain out of Alabama. Much better draft than last year. Byron Jones wasn't great this season. Noah Igbenogany, who you drafted in the slot in the first round last year, was bad. Um, you take another Alabama corner in Sertain. I know you got burned with that with Mika Fitzpatrick. But I think you let those corners battle, battle it out. The loser ends up moving to safety. It's a perfect fit. Patrick Sertain's dad played for the Dolphins for a long time. And if you're trying to be like New England, you got to stack up that cornerback uh, room. got to have guys who can play man and zone and just lock down. At number 19, I have the Washington football team taking wide receiver Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota. Gives you a big physical receiver who's going to be a nice compliment to Terry McLaurin. At number 20, I have the Chicago Bears taking linebacker Jeremiah Owosu-Koromoa out of Notre Dame. Danny Trevathan was horrible this year. You get Owosu-Koromoa and... No one's ever thrown over in the middle of the field again with him, um, Roquan Smith, and Eddie Jackson oh, covering that middle of the field. At number 21, I have the Indianapolis Colts taking quarterback Mac Jones out of Alabama. Jones is a really nice quarterback, not super high upside, but he jumps right into Phillip Rivers' role, likely gives the Colts maybe higher upside than they had with Phillip Rivers. At number 22, I have the Tennessee Titans taking edge rusher Aziz Ojulari out of Georgia. Jadavion Clowney's going to be gone. He wasn't a good pass rusher anyway. Um, 
Ojulari can complement Harold Landry on the opposite side, filling these roles. At number 23, I have the New York Jets taking offensive tackle Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State. You got Mackay back then. Really good rookie year. Protect Justin Fields' right side, too. At number 24, I have the Pittsburgh Steelers taking edge rusher Carlos Basham out of Wake Forest. Actually, from my hometown of Roanoke, Virginia. Uh, big freak, freak athlete. Can replace Bud Dupree. Play opposite TJ Watt. There you go. At number 25, I have the Jacksonville Jaguars taking offensive tackle Elijah Vera Tucker out of USC. Cam Robinson and Jawan Taylor have not played well at all last season. Um, Elijah Vera Tucker can replace one of them. At, num- at number 26, I have the Cleveland Browns taking safety uh, Trayvon Morick out of TCU. Pretty simple. He's a true deep free safety. Let's Ronnie Harrison, who had a really good year, uh, thump in that bot in that box safety role. At number twenty-seven, I have the Baltimore Ravens taking wide receiver Kadarius Tony out of Florida. I wouldn't. I know they have a really good corner core, but I wouldn't hate taking a corner here. Um. I just think Tony makes more sense. Gives Lamar Jackson weapons on the outside, finally. Marquise Brown may be breaking out. Have Brown and Tony. You might have something going. At number 28, I have the New Orleans Saints taking cornerback J.C. Horn out of South Carolina. Janoris Jenkins is getting old. Worst case scenarios, one of the moves to safety. Give you a really nice corner uh, cornerback room with Marshawn Lattimore, J.C. Horn, Janoris Jenkins. At number 29, I have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking Nick Bolton, uh, linebacker out of Missouri. Uh, pretty simple. Replaces Levante David. At number 30, I have the Buffalo Bills taking wide receiver Rondale Moore. Uh Wide receiver out of Purdue. You're going to have to start. This is a good roster now. You're going to have to start making some cutbacks. I think that cutback is John Brown. He regressed this season. Not great. Again, kind of old. Replace him. Gives you another deep threat. At number 31, I have the Green Bay Packers taking guard Wyatt Davis out of Ohio State. Continue to build up your O-line. You might lose Corey Lindsley in free agency. Again, you're filling holes. At number 32, I have the Kansas City Chiefs taking offensive tackle Sam Cosme out of Texas. Last pick of the first round. Um, Eventual replacement for Mitchell Schwartz could also possibly replace uh, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, who opted out to work as a doctor and fight the pandemic. He can play guard uh, as well. So, again, I'm not too into filling team needs uh, through the draft, but I think in some of these cases, these players really do fill needs, but they're also the best player available on the board. And I think more importantly, 
The draft is a place to add talent to your roster. Take the guy you know is going to be good. Don't try to fill a hole with a rookie because if you put so much pressure on a rookie to lead your team or to fix something that was a problem the year before, it's unlikely to work. I think free agency, get those veterans, that's the place to fill places where you had a hole. But the draft is for adding talent. That was my whole mock draft. Um, that was the whole podcast. Uh, I hope to get another episode out Friday. Let me know if you guys thought my grades were right. Let me know if you like the picks for your team. Um, but thanks for watching. This was the DS Sports Podcast. Um, God bless.